Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hardcore Surf History. There's not many surfers who are as universally loved as Tom Kern. Maybe Jerry Lopez, maybe Phil Edwards, but really other surfers tend to be a bit more polarizing or others tend to have their favorites. Maybe Aki you could kind of put into that, but I think Tom Kern is like, one in every few generation surfers that come along and capture everyone's imagination and affects everyone's style. And he's just an incredible surfer, but also extremely humble about how he goes about things. You know, and there's not that many surfers out there. A lot of them, particularly today, it feels like there's a lot of uh, self-promotion and a, a very conscientious effort to put out a certain image of oneself. Whereas I think Curran, there's, a, there's like this, um, you know, something where he doesn't really think too much about what he does, how he speaks, how he moves. He just is uh, Tom Curran. And so for the Reluctant Messiahs episode that my brother and I did, you know, we've always been enamored with Tom Curran. Uh, everything from his surfing to the way he acts to his music, uh, he just tends to you know move to the beat of his own drum, and it's inspiring for us. Uh, so we wanted to do a whole episode, you know, on him and and juxtapose that with Wayne Lynch, who also is a one of those figures potentially or kind of universally loved, maybe maybe not as uh, as much so as Tom Kern, I think. Uh, but definitely uh, as influential. And um, yeah, and so we, we th- wanted to do a whole episode on it. And so what we did was um, we decided also to put out some bonus uh, bonus uh, episode here, uh, basically where I had the great fortune to interview Tom Kern and Sonny Miller uh, back in 2012, it was a uh, benefit for Hurricane Sandy relief in New York. And we did, I think, what is 
the first screening of Searching for Tom Curran in a theater. I don't think it had ever been shown on the big screen. It was always just released to VHS. So uh, it was quite an incredible night, and I had been uh, fortunate enough to be asked to interview both of them in front of a live audience, uh, thanks to uh, Mike Doyle and uh, not the not the well-known surfer, but this organizer, event organizer, and also uh, Chris Gentile of Pilgrim Surf and Supply in Brooklyn. Uh, they had uh, organized this whole thing, and uh, we put it together. Uh, thanks also to John Rose, who wrangled <laughs> Sonny Miller and Tom Kern for this, which is incredible. And uh, yeah, and we were very fortunate enough to have this uh, magical evening, uh, a very a once-in-a-lifetime experience, basically, where we got Curran and Sonny Miller to reflect on the search years uh, filming for Rip Curl. And there's just so many incredible little stories here. Uh, I think all of you are going to really enjoy this. We thought it'd be a nice little bonus uh, to add to our... Uh, Reluctant Messiahs episode, and uh, yeah, so uh, the audio isn't the best. Uh, I've tried to clean it up as much as possible, uh, but we think you're going to really enjoy this. Uh, Sonny Miller, uh, rest in peace, he passed away about a year after this interview, so it's really quite a special night, and uh, feel very fortunate that we were able to capture this magic. We hope you get to enjoy this, and uh, we'll check you all on down the line. And don't forget to go check us out at Hardcore Surf History on Instagram, and uh, follow us, like, and subscribe, and we'll check you out soon. You. Actually, on uh, 
my friend Brian Walsh's couch and his grandmother kicked you out in the morning, actually. <laughs> I had a mention, I was talking to him the other day, he was telling me the whole story. <laughs> there definitely been a lot of spirit for the East Coast. I think with uh, the projects when it began with the search, uh, I think the first movie was kind of like a little bit of just the first development, but the second movie, we like pursued everything in Palm. Uh, we met in New York and we went for some music and I don't know, there's, I think there's been affectionato with the East Coast here. What do you say, Tom? Yeah, no, it's, uh, we had so many, you know, great memories. It was really cool to see the movie again and uh, to see you know, all those places we went through. Amazing surf, and just, gosh, it just makes me want to go surfing right now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, and, you know, times uh, over here on the East Coast, we have some great memories. We have like, almost, a, you know, uh, enough material for a movie in just the road trips on the East Coast. Well, well tell us, let, I mean, let's, let's dive right into it, actually. Like, when you guys were touring through here, that was about 93, you had actually visited New York three times on three separate occasions. Um, one of those you actually, I think, could be could be described as a cultural shifting moment in some sense, where you were in New Jersey at uh, Surf Supplies and you purchased a uh, Rick Twinfin, basically. And, you know, that, that footage right there that you had when you were out in Montauk at Atlantic Terrace and uh, then you went on to surf that in France, where you destroyed Matt Boy. I embarrassed him. <laughs> there was, let me let me just give you some perspective here. He was riding in France in a contest, a World Tour contest. He rode this board, this beat up board from what, like 1971, would you say? Yeah, it was an early 20th century. And uh, just obliterated. Matt Boy, who surfs amazing and surfs well, really well. There's like waist to chest high kind of conditions, and Tom's just doing these insane little spinner putties. And I know Sam George was freaking out about it, apparently. Thank you. I think, uh, you know, I think there's a big part of that was the fact that Matt Boy was so kind of surprised and uh, he wasn't really, you know, expecting much. Did you do that just to psych him out a little? Um, no, actually, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, playing any kind of psych games at that time, really. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at that time, <laughs> but I was. Uh, I was, uh, you know, looking at the waves, and I had this kind of fun twin fin. The waves were not that good. It was actually at a time when the the whole push towards the, you know, the really super high performance sports was taking place. I was spending a lot of time in France, and I was uh, kind of missing out on a lot of the action, you know, uh, being off the tour and stuff. So I, I just kind of thought, oh, this board actually looks great, and you know, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I ended up getting the better waves, and that boy wasn't expecting me to. Really put up much of a, a big effort, and, and he was taking off. He was caught off guard. You you switched boards with him in the heat, actually, didn't you? I think it was like thirty seconds. <laughs> There's a shot of if you if you ever get a chance, get your hands on uh, Sarge's surfing scrapbook. Um, 
I think it's series five. <laughs> and um, there's this great commentary of Sam George, and it has the heat on it, and it shows Tom surfing very well, and then Matt just coming off of high-performance potato chippy thruster with channels on it, and then goes on to this twin fin that's really flat and wide, and it's just, I mean, no one could really do that except for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right. So, so let's let's just start from the beginning here with the, this whole search campaign. I mean, the year is 1992. You, Tom, you were just coming off of um, a pretty big winter. You won the Wyland Gallery Pro. You surfed the infamous board without the logo on it, and you just split basically with your main sponsor, OP. And then at Bell's, you signed a contract, a record-breaking contract at the time with Rip Curl. How did they? approach you to do the the search and and was it like they just come up to you and say tom we just want to pay you to surf and go to crazy locations or was it as thought out uh, how did they approach you with that if you don't mind me asking uh what's well, a touchy subject oh well <laughs> <laughs> it's uh no it was really just it was, it was, a, it was a godsend in a way you know because i was a little bit i think you know not Quite ready to uh, take on the, the new brigade, you know. And they had this whole idea uh, about uh, the surge. I think uh, I don't know who was in on those meetings. I think Derek Hyde may have been somewhere in there because uh, you know he's a very, you know, he's a very um, kind of an outspoken guy. saw that I wasn't really uh, getting much of a, uh, a run in the events right then, but um, also, uh, um, you know, they, I don't think they had much footage of me, you know, being the company that was sponsoring me, they didn't have, you know, much to work with, you know, because the, you know, the tour was such a business, it is, you know, you may be killing on tour, but How did they approach you? Because you, I mean, basically, like, this idea of the search is to, to travel and to, you know, create this, invoke this image and surf or something that, you know, through the 80s was kind of discarded and didn't, wasn't really talked about as much in the mainstream media, like traveling and going to exotic locations and having the best surfers. And, you know, they, you and Derek and, and Tom basically executed this whole marketing strategy in some sense. I mean, how did they approach you? When did they approach you? What was going through your mind when they gave you this? this well, I can tell you right now, they're randomly looking for the ultimate pirate. <laughs> <laughs> they found it. Still a pirate. Got it. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> to be humble, uh, <laughs> no, I was like a, an edge type of cameraman. I mean, I was an athlete. As growing up, I was a snowboarder, surfer, top skater. So like, I was more involved in like action sports. So my advent in my career was more about athleticism 
and capturing imagery, and but the, the not to mention host of Surfer Magazine on ESPN. Hot summer nights. Hot summer nights. Well, it went from hot Tuesday nights to hot summer nights. For me, like to like just to be that person. I mean, the host type of thing to think of Hammerman. I mean, I was a still photographer for Surfer Magazine. I, I knew Tom since very young age. Um, you know, early NSSA days and Pain 10 Pros, and, like, and before it all mattered, you know, before the world title thing mattered. And uh, so for me, I, I was an image capturer for skateboarding, snowboarding, skateboarding, you know, surfing. So my approach is way more aggressive to kind of actually what surfing has become now, which is aerial surfing and things like that. That was my advent. Um, I made a movie called Break On Through, which was for Life's Beach, and it had her like stripping naked and John Schmoke rapping and all kinds of stuff. So that, that caught the eye of Rip Curl. And so I happened to be going down to um, Australia uh, to Bells, which is pretty much one of the greatest things in surfing is Bells Beach. You know? and, uh, so I went to Bells, and uh, they, I made that movie. Derek Pine was a great advent of mine. And the search thing was coming about, and somehow or another, the, the needles pointed at me to be making the search, and, uh, and the rest is history. Now, that fir the first trip you guys did, I believe, was to um, actually first Tom. Like, how was it when they approached you with this? I mean, you, they also offered like um, for you to record as well with music. I mean, that's like that's your other passion, and uh, that must have been a really incredible opportunity. That. You guys, you had the first trip where you performed or you, you recorded at Natural Amphitheater. Yeah, they basically made allowances to do, to do that. And they said, well, look, you have to be, you're going to have to go to Indonesia. So <laughs> <laughs> Tough. I feel like that for a while. So, uh, uh, yeah, so between Western Australia, Indonesia, you know, Jeffrey's Bay, I've never been to Jeffrey's Bay. You had you had boycotted like the ASP events in South Africa. You you know you protested against apartheid, which was really quite amazing for you know I mean you 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 know could have lost world titles because of that. Um, you know then they give you this opportunity to get, go to Jeffries, you know, and uh, I guess everything had just started to change around then in '92. What what was your initial reaction when they said, we, "Tom, we want you to go to Jeffries"? I like the idea. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the decision to boycott the events in South Africa was a big decision for me, and, and it was basically following the lead of, uh, of Tom Carroll, who kind of initiated the, the whole movement with the Pro uh, Circle Tour, and it was, you 
Rincon on steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rincon gets that too. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> when it breaks. Uh, yeah, so it was like Rincon. Yeah. It's just somehow Rincon, you can't really capture it on film like you can JPEG. It gets that too. <laughs> but no, I think JPEG, it was just, it was like, yeah, Rincon on steroids. And, and Sonny, like, you must have. When they said, Sonny, you're, you're going to Jeffrey's Bay with Tom, what was your initial reaction? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've been to Jeffrey's Bay before, and uh, in the earlier days, like, I had to go actually as an athlete, not as a cameraman, because of the apartheid. So, like, my visa was as an athlete, and I actually had to eat once at Jeffrey's Bay. And, uh, and it was, uh, I thought it was, like, living the dream, like, oh, fuck, I can actually get in the event and be bothered with four people. But I had this like crazy initiation there where you had to drink like Zambuca all night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then my heat was the first heat of the morning and you know, and whatever, it was like the wrong tide and like it was dry reef. <laughs> you know, it's never good. By the end of the day, Sean Thompson's getting like 15 second barrels. You know? But my heat, I was like on the reef. So <laughs> I got third. Um, because the fourth guy showed up. <laughs> But it was a good deal, country feeling then. And uh, so South Africa, though, is quite an affection to South Africa. If you ever been there, it's, it was amazing. And especially then, if you think about it, it was like Mandela was in jail, apartheid. Like, it was just crazy. So our first year, actually, to Erwin Tom rode that you know, magnificent first wave and uh, was literally during apartheid, Mandela was in jail. I mean, it was. Without realizing it when we were doing it, it actually was kind of groundbreaking because a year later Mandela was released and a year later he was the president. So, um, quite amazing times, but like we really absorbed South Africa in the moment at that time. The Tom and um, my friend uh, Tommy Soto, Thomas Soto, who was the other filmmaker with me, and we had Lance Slabbert, and we had this amazing organic trip. I mean, we were there for like over a month, I think. We just drove around. I mean, we didn't really take it into consideration that like the guy was going to be the future president was going to be the you know like you know and he was in jail. I mean, it's a bizarre time, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember when when we were there when we got released from jail, and it was really. I think being uh, involved in surfing, you kind of you know, don't really think about politics too much, and, you know, even here, you know, so it's, they're all, it's all the same, it's all kind of corrupt, and it's all, you know, there's no, there's no way, you know, to fix anything, and so it was just, um, you know, just to see, Real, you know, political change, and it was just that, you know, it, it was it was really hard to describe. Now, you mentioned that first wave. Was that really your first wave at Jeffries? Uh, technically, no. I was, uh, it was. It was my first. I took off and kicked out. So that was, that was, okay. was actually, yeah. No, I got a call from Derek Hyde. I was in. Uh, I was in France. Said that the waves were 
and um, the uh, you know I got there from the airport. You know, you know, I was actually the was actually getting there when I got there, and uh, you know, it was kind of three, two or three to four foot, and uh, just kind of picking up. You know, kind of inconsistent, and but you know, it looked it looked fun, but uh, and then crowded out. And, Kind of like ring con, so you get you get a wave, and uh, you know you do a turn, and then you look, oh, there's another section. Do another turn, you know, another little cover up section. Oh, there's another section over there. So then, you know, it's great. It's like ring con, you know. And then, but it's like it's it's, it's a bit more. Uh, um, I don't know. Anybody been to J J Bay? Anyone? Back there, John Rose. John Rose. Yeah, John Rose. But it's it's uh, it, it's a great spot. I mean, it's it's changed a lot. You know, I mean, first year that I was there, it was a lot different from how it is now. And even then, it was already you know uh, becoming really a, a surf economy right there in Jeffrey Bay. Now you were. What board were you riding that first session? Many people think it's a, the Maurice Cole that you rode at uh, Haleiwa because of the yellow rails, but it's not actually. That's right. It's a, uh, a board shaped by Mark Ravage, who's an Australian shaper, um, friend of mine, and also the uh, husband of uh, Hambridge. Oh. Who's uh, one of our great uh, surfing Who decided to do the search trips? Was it, you know, was it Derek? Was it you? Did you get out, Tom? Did you have any feedback on where you guys were going on these trips? Uh, I, I absolutely have to point out acknowledging, of course, you just mentioned Derek's uh, name so many times. Derek Hines was definitely like a great inspiration, but he also had a great headache. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now he's not that same guy, but um, at the time we were always like the mind behind. What's he gonna think? <laughs> you know, because it was like he was like diabolically like sitting back, going, "How can I pit these guys oh. to make it the hardest endeavor of their lives so they achieve?" I mean, I ultimately think that was like his ultimate goal, and it still is his way of life.
Sonny probably knows more about this than I do, but um, you know, there was uh, one situation where we were actually on the East Coast here. We were doing a, a music tour, showing uh, one of the films, and we had a little you know, group of musicians. And uh, one day, one of the guys was tired of uh, sleeping in Derek's car and eating pizza every day for every meal. So he left and went home. In, which was in New Jersey. So we were going to New Jersey, and uh, he uh, gets out of the car and says, thanks, see you later, and he goes home. So we're without a, a bass player. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going, what do we do? So we go to the next town, and, uh, you know, and there's not a lot out here. Uh, but I think the next town was Ocean City, Maryland, and we were without a bass player. And we had this, we sort of described our, uh, our, uh, our show. Well, we, you know, we show like surf films and play instrumental music over the surf films without any sort of, you know, songs. And with, you know, without any chords and without, you know, basically just amps and everybody's doing solos and that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, the bass player who showed up at that show is actually sitting right over there. <laughs> it's Chris Swan. Yeah, there's 
like I said, that's why I think the East Coast has such a, a great affection to the films that we made because we actually recorded some music here that inspired some soundtrack, uh, the very first, the second film, and then we did these tours that the East Coast so much embraces. Because like I don't even think in California that they quite embrace surfing the same. You know, like the surfing is special here on the East Coast, and then on the West Coast, everybody's like, very opinionated. They want to like da 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 whatever. It's all good, but I think the East Coast was like, welcome you guys. And we would be here when like, you know, Derek Poe was winning the world title and we were like showing our movie. Remember, we were watching like, we were like in in Florida and it was like, what? The Hawaiians wedge Elko out of the title? <laughs> Tell that they, they blocked him, didn't he? In the semifinal, right? They blocked it, Larry Rios and Derek Poe. Yeah, I know, I know there was something going on. I don't, I don't actually remember that. <laughs> don't, don't, play, don't play coy, Tom. We know you know the tactics. We know you know what's going on. Come on. Fess up here. You know, I, I remember there was something going on because... <laughs> and I was not a part of it. Yeah, you know, you just had to root for Eric, didn't you? I would say, oh, he's Eric. I remember that was going on. And I remember the This is all right around the time of Tanya Harding and Jeff Ballou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a different time. But, um, I just heard that you know, Elko had to go and talk to somebody who was, you know, the, you know, Derek and Michael were being, putting pressure on him, trying to pass all the, I don't know, I, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, group. <laughs> Jericho just won the world title, Uncle got wedged out. <laughs> and we were like, wow, does it matter? We're on the search. <laughs> so I was like, thank God I'm not doing that. Derek wore the tie by he was, you know, he had, you know, he, he, it was his, his own backyard. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that would back down. Someone with the nickname Kong. <laughs> you, you and Elko actually had a few uh, run-ins, didn't you? 1990 Bundaberg uh, final, actually, you had a little uh, tussle with him. Any, any words exchanged? No, but I mean, I saw him coming from a mile away. <laughs> First of all, how cool is this? <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really do this because he's not here. Tell his side of the story. Uh, I saw him. I was there. It was my car. I saw him. And, you know, he paddled around me this way. And I saw him. But, what? But the, uh, um, you know, which, which was the back then? Get up before the guy and then, oh, triangle, you know, the guy's out. It's, you know, kind of some of 
think is a lot better because the judges have a little bit more scope when it comes to, you know, saying if uh, if it was an actual interference or if somebody was instigating something, they have, you know, they have broader powers to, to uh, you know, even call somebody who's on the inside when, it, when it's clearly a, you know, it's a, a tactical uh, breach. Basically, Elko almost ran him over. Board almost took him out. I have this image of Tom being like this, kind of. <laughs> it was pretty close. He won. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, it's still won. Um, Sonny, when you were making these search films, you know, what, what was influencing you? They were so unique, like, compared to kind of um, what was going on at the time, even before and probably ever since. There hasn't been a whole lot of movies that kind of embody the whole search series. And what was what was influencing you at that time? Um, I don't know. It's like a lot of things were like, we were inspired by uh, our opportunity to like be given this like glorious uh, pathway of and like you have to realize that at the same time, like the, Tom said earlier, there's no surf line. There was no surf line. Like all our endeavors, a lot of times were rewarded by our own commitment to belief, in a sense. And it was just kind of like like buying a lotto ticket, you know. Whereas to this day and age, like everyone can look at surf line, like surgical strikes, or like maybe you want to vomit. Because <laughs> I've been down in Tahiti when like a hundred capable guys are standing there and the swell didn't show. And you're like, wow, there's some wasted joke there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna close my crew. I don't care about you guys. I'm drinking a on at 7 a.m. But uh, we we didn't have that. You know, we could look at weather maps or in the newspaper or whatever. Like you had, a, we didn't even know Sean Paul was in. You know, rest in peace. Love that guy. But I mean, at the same time, it was a deal with the devil. Uh, once the surf forecasting became relative and the red dots and the purple dots and all these things. So, I mean, we, we were like blessed by, I think, our own commitment. I mean, that's my own feeling that, like, we didn't have to, like, rely on guarantee, fly here for four days, you score, you know? And that's how it is today. We, we didn't have that, like, zero, basically, on, the, on those movies we made. We, we finished that series in 1995, you know? So, that was so pre surfline. And so, a lot of those opportunities with phenomenal surf were they were blessed by us. They were never in, the, in any kind of radar. It's also a lot of patience, you know. You you also spent a lot of time in a lot of these areas, didn't you? You know, it wasn't just fly in, fly out. You guys kind of embraced a lot of the culture, and that's kind of I guess the philosophy of what the search was back then, at least what you guys made it to be. You know. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you're always creating illusion. Because well, in obviously. three and a half minutes, it might have taken three and a half months. Yeah. But uh, it, I think that uh, we were uh, patient, and then we were blessed. So there was a combination of the two. Because if you go on a boat for two weeks, I mean, you get what you get in two weeks. So um, we, we did a lot of boat trips. Yeah. Then, actually, Tom, talk, talk about that first boat trip we ever went on, because we almost had a mutiny. <laughs> on our boat saying these waves aren't good enough. Green and Duma. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 
Kids, uh, in a, well, in a recent interview, the kid you said your kids are a little disappointed you can't do airs. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
photography. You know, like watching this film, it's like all my best moves condensed and concentrated form. So it's just, it's just, uh, you know, Sonny did such a great job uh, on this film. And, uh, you know, there's so much material and there's so many nights and so many, you know, days where you just, So we, we don't have a whole lot of time. 
I have so many other questions I wish I could be asking you guys. But I'm just gonna wrap it up real quick uh, with a couple of, it's a surfing adaptation of the uh, Bernard Pivot uh, questionnaire. <laughs> See, questionnaire, the concept was originated by French television personality Bernard Pivot on his show Apostrophes after the Prost questionnaire and uh, later adapted to the Inside the Actors Studio and I've done a little surfing version for you guys. Very well done. Thank you. So, um, we can do these and then uh, I just want to call uh, Mike Doyle up after this to talk about City Lights and what they're doing. It's incredible as well. And I want to just shed that information on you as well. Um, but uh, let's get to it. Okay. Both of you. What is your favorite surfing term. <laughs> always got some. Roll another one just like the other one. <laughs> what is your least favorite surfing term? Before that, before I was like, 
What type of surfing turns you off? Who man sings? Shop ops? Yeah. Uh, 
One last question. One last question. If heaven exists, what sort of wave would you like to surf in eternity? And that was Tom Curran and Sonny Miller. Uh, We hope you enjoyed that little bonus section to our Reluctant Messiahs episode. Uh, There will be also a Wayne Lynch interview coming. So uh, sit tight and we'll be releasing them uh, over the next few weeks. We hope you enjoyed the Reluctant Messiahs episode and uh, keep following us and listening to us at hardcore underscore surf underscore history on Instagram. And of course, you can go to the Surf Splendor website, uh, surfsplendor.com, and find all of our past episodes. And of course, check out David and all his other incredible podcasts. And we will hopefully see you on down the line soon. Thank you and take care. You.